Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Lee Gillis. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Doug Perry. And we're joined this week by official full-on director now, no longer associate director, Liam Anderson. So first and foremost, congratulations on that, Liam. Um, we've not had the chance to speak to you since then, but congratulations on that. Um, and Happy New Year to everyone as well, all the listeners. Yeah, of course. Of course, Happy New Year, if there is such a thing as happy being associated with East Fife in terms of football inside at the moment, but we'll try and keep this um, less about what we've seen on the pitch in the last couple of weeks. We've got the rare opportunity to have somebody from the board on and answer all you guys' burning questions. The questions that you send me in the mailbag every week that, of course, I'm, myself and Michael and Doug are unable to answer, so why not hear it directly? Well, I was going to say the horse's mouth, but we'll try not to insult the young man who's he's literally right. come onto the show to, to speak to us, but Look, well, at least you picked the right end of the horse. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. Be- before we go into this show, though, we obviously got really, really sad news in the, the East Side community this weekend. It seems to just be one thing after the other, but we unfortunately lost Vice Chairman and lifelong fan Dave Marshall. I know that genuinely I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I, I shed a tear at that news this week because Dave is somebody that very, very very much deserves the title, in my opinion, of legend that he's Fife. You know, somebody that you know, that you just associate with the club, you think he's Fife, you think Dave Marshall. He's been going as long as I've been an East Fife fan, um, one of the stalwarts, and we're beyond devastated to hear that news. I mean, Michael, before I come to, to Liam and Doug, I, you know, we shared some messages back and forwards about it, and I know you've got some some fond memories of Dave from, from your time at Bayview. Yeah, I've probably known Dave from the, the late 80s onwards, really started chatting to him more in the 90s when we we're going on all the pre-season things, he was always down there and he's a guy that was just East Fife through and through, he's one of those guys that every lower league team needs somebody like that, that just drives him on and he always had the best interests of the, the club at heart and he I mean, there's, there's so many memories that, that you have of him, like going way back when he used to go to away games and his wife Nan would would have the dog and then they'd come in towards the end of the game because they'd have been out somewhere in the town, wherever they were, and they'd bring the dog in at the end. And and he was just everywhere, every game, home and away. He just had the best interest of the club at heart. Going way back, he used to have a, a little soft toy with an East Fife scarf on that he had stuffed down his pants that was like a lucky a lucky thing that he brought to all, all the games, although I don't know how lucky it was considering a lot of that was in the Gavin Murray years, but um, he he was just somebody that 
as for as long as I've been at East Fife, he he was there. And it's like Liam's a, a, another one. It's like I always remember seeing Liam behind the goals at, at Old Bayview and stuff from, from when I first started going. And we've lost a lot of people in, in recent years, but Dave, it really hits home. He he was on the board. He was he was kind of pivotal in the the days when we were trying to get rid of Derek Brown because it was when he switched and saw what was happening at the club and came on the side of the fans that things started to move swifter. And that was tough for him because he didn't want anything bad to happen to the club and he he just thought that everyone could come together and then at, at some point it just clicked at, look, this is what we need to do, this is what I need to do. And he then became a full director and even the last time I was over, in, well, two years ago, we're coming up to now, I'd arrived late to the game, so I'd gone in the next week to pick up a, a strip that I'd ordered, and Dave was there at the front, and I said, oh, I'm trying to get a programme, do you know where there's a programme? And he went through the back and searched for a bit till he found me a programme. That's just the kind of guy he was, he didn't want me to, to go away in, unless I had something like that. And we had a chat just about life in general, and it, it was nice to have that. Because that, that's my last memory of him. And I know he's had ill health in, in recent years, but it's a huge loss to the club. It just feels like an anchor's kind of been pulled away from them, really. Uh, you've summarised that perfectly, um, to be honest. Good luck to, to Doug and Liam trying to follow up on that. Because, I mean, my my own memories of him were, were him and Nan. I mean, I remember being devastated when Nan passed away. Yeah. Um, just lovely, super warm kind people and yeah a, a real stalwart of the club Doug have you got any memories? Uh, I mean quite a lot I mean kind of similar to what Michael said I just don't remember being at an East Fife game and him not being there do you know what I mean and and I think after my like dad passed away and you start seeing all these people that you always went to games with and all you know mm. slowly passing away it's, it's, it's such a sad depressing thing I mean the, the one thing I wrote down in, in a wee note is club legend, and that's the sort of phrase that gets banded about a player who's played for a couple of seasons, who's scored quite a few important goals, and other oh, they're a legend. You know, they're not legends. The Dave Marshalls of the world are legends of that football club for sure. I mean, I would dread to think the sort of hours that he's put in at Bayview in an unpaid, you know, forever voluntary basis is must be absolutely incredible. And, you know, there's obviously a lot like them like him that, that do that and it's um it's very sad i mean one thing i i just it's his faded scarf yeah you know what i mean it, it's sort of black and i don't know beige i don't, I don't know what the color would be anymore <laughs> and, and all i could think of was i just i would love to see that like in a frame in the club with this picture you know yeah. as a because it's such a it's such an iconic scarf even from when i was a kid i, I you know vividly remember it so no, massive loss to the club um, and you know, just a sad start to the year, really. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can only echo everything everybody said there. Uh, obviously, uh, we knew that Dave, Dave hadn't been well uh, for, for a, a long time and had been in and out of hospital getting treatment uh, and whatnot. Uh, and he'd gone into hospital, I think, a week, maybe 10 days before, before Christmas. And we knew then that uh, the the end was 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 coming fairly fairly swiftly, uh, but that didn't stop the pain uh, and the shock when 
when we we were informed that that he passed and the place is going to be so so different without him uh, there is no doubt about that um i mean my, my memories are the same as you michael that you know i, I go back to the 80s um when uh, he, i used to be under the the covered enclosure and dave and jim camaris were were standing uh, probably beside yourself uh, at, at that point. Um, and then, lo and behold, when we moved to New Bayview, <clears throat> Dave and Jim were in the row behind me uh, uh, there. So, and <clears throat> excuse me, we had quite a lot of heated debates, shall we say, about particular players and, and players' abilities and whatnot. But it never, you know, I always had the utmost respect for for his opinion and when when I, I got to know him even better he actually moved moved in next door to Laura and Neil's uh, gran and granddad oh. uh, so um, I got to know him better through that uh, and you know Nan used to take Laura in to do cross stitching and all the rest of it you know they really were absolutely perfect together I think there's no doubt that Dave has missed Nan since she passed greatly, you know, and, um, you know, I'm a great believer that they probably are reunited now. And, yeah, I hope, I hope that they're happy again. Um, but, you know, just as you were saying about uh, the times when we were talking about trying to get Derek Brown out of the club, you know, Dave's, Dave's stand at that supporters meeting that night very, mm. very publicly, uh, resigned from from the board because he could see what was what was happening to the club. You know that was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but since then, since he came back, went back on the board. You're right. The the work that he did behind the scenes is incredible. You know, from from cutting the grass to running around screaming at everybody, leaving lights on in the stadium, and uh, you know checking the water readings and the electric meetings and uh, readings and trying to to uh, save the club money, uh, you know, was, was incredible. The personal uh, financial sacrifices he made to, towards the club, you know, un- unbelievable. And, and you're right, you know, I think legend is a, is a, a right word to use for, for somebody like, like Dave. As uh, Doug was saying earlier on, I, it's it's been quite depressing recently with a number of minutes applause or minutes silences we've been having before games because that means that somebody close to the club has gone, yeah. and you know we have an aging support, and it's it's sad to see these these people these people passing. Yeah. Liam, you're, again again you're absolutely right. There's one thing that I noticed the last time I was at Bayview that I hadn't noticed and I don't know whether it's just from not going into the, the bar or anything like that but the stadium being sponsored by Dave I wonder if that's something that a lot of fans have missed I, I literally pointed it out to Doug I think maybe last week or the week before about the the, the stadium being sponsored by Dave and I didn't you know, even how, know that yeah um, it was a plaque that I only noticed at our last home game um, and you know you're, you're saying yourself there about you know personal financial sacrifices made for the club I mean is there any plans I, I know it's very very early but is there any plans to 
sort of immortalised, Dave. You know, I love Doug's idea about the scarf because that's something that I remember. Um, and I'm By sure the way, that, that scarf, that scarf got washed once a year once we were safe from relegation. That that was <laughs> that was what he did. Once once we were clear of relegation, the scarf got washed. Oh, that's a lovely story. Love well, that. Can, can can we all get together to wash it this year? Take a bar each. Take a bar yeah. each I, to I, wash. I, yeah. I, I did have one other thought about Dave was the pride he took in the playing surface and mm. being involved in that. And the very same with the, the part yeah. of King George. The, you know. But I remember when we played the East Fife versus the 2003 or whatever. Promotion team and everyone was there. There must have been a hundred people there. And Dave comes storming up. And he's going, "There's no way this is getting played. The pitch is waterlogged." <laughs> and it was like, Dave, the season. I think the season had finished the day before. Yeah. And he was like, like almost refusing this, that, that pride of you're going to cut up my beautiful pitch. Oh, it was, and it took a lot of people to persuade him to let us to play. It was quite no cool. slide tackles. No slide yeah. tackles. That was <laughs> the, the only reason that game got played was because Duke Gordon Dury said to Dave, Dave. I've come through for Inverkeeden today to play a game of football and I'm not going home till I play a game of football. And, <laughs> yeah. and Dave went, aye, all right then. You know, so, <laughs> uh, but and what I would say, you know, he took great pride in the playing surface, but he was also one of our strongest advocates for the, the, the synthetic pitch. He knew yeah. that that was the way forward uh, for, for a club like ourselves. And whilst it probably broke his heart that uh, we we went went synthetic. Um, he knew that it, it was what we had to do. Yeah. Well, hopefully down the line there will be some sort of plans for, for memorials or, or or something to immortalise David because I know that Nan um, has a plaque if I remember yeah. right at the side of the pitch and you know if if, if there's any fundraising required or I'm, I'm sure there'll be a lot of fans more than happy to chip in whatever it was needed to, to do something for Dave. I know that I would be, and I know the majority of East Five fans would be, but let's round up that, that section. Um, the story, Lee, I was just going to say, the fact it was on the Sky Sports News ticker, I mean, that yeah. says everything. That doesn't yeah. happen very often. Right. Well, honestly, the, the messages that the club have received and even I've personally received from former players show what a high regard he was, yeah. he was held in. And uh, even I believe the guys at Stuart Burroughs from Motherwell, yeah. he had he had uh, posted the other day that Dave Dave was a very prominent person in the SPFL meeting and will be sadly missed. So uh, it shows that it just you don't have to be uh, you know with a, one of the the Premiership clubs to be to be heard and to to be taken notice of. Um, what I can tell you uh, just now is that. We've got a board meeting due in two weeks and uh, I don't think anything will be announced before then uh, as to what's what's going to happen. But his funeral is a week on Friday, which date, uh, I think that's the 21st. Uh, it's at Kirkcaldy Creme at 12.45. Um, but as uh, Dave's one of Dave's wishes was that the cortege will leave from Bayview. So we're going to make sure that that is publicly known so that people who maybe can't can't or or, or can't get to the crematorium uh, can come down to Bayview and and make sure he gets a sorry I'm getting a wee bit emotional here. No, um, that's understandable. Make sure he gets he gets a, a good a good send off. 
because uh, that's the least he deserves. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, 100%. And look, if you're listening to this and you're not planning to attend the funeral or whatever, please, please, please get down to, to Bayview. Like Liam's saying, this man deserves a resounding send-off from all of us. Um, wherever you are, if you can't make it down there, take a moment and reflect and thank Dave um, for everything he's done for the club and more importantly, to just take some time and, and, and be grateful for the time that we had with him and, and rest in peace, Dave. So it's, that was a very tough section to get through. Um, certainly was. Certainly was, but this, you know, we, we couldn't let um, that go not being noted um, how we all felt. So we'll move on, Liam, um, to some of the questions that we've got for you. We're going to try and not talk about the, the football. We, we want to take the opportunity that we've got and, and having you on the show to, to ask you some of the, the burning questions from the club. Um, if we've got time at the end, we, we may touch on the, the game yesterday, but I would rather not relive that unless I have to. Look, Liam, I'm going to start off and, and just sort of talk about this season. I don't think that anyone is, is currently happy with, with the situation, but going way back to me, I, I want to bring you back to a tweet that I made um, from the Glory Days of Gold Twitter account where I recognised a lot of the signings that other teams were making. And at that point, I said, unless we significantly strengthen the squad, that our sole aim for the season should be survival. And if we've done that, then we've done well. At that point, you <laughs> you very publicly disagreed with me. Um, I believe, wow, just wow, was the, was the quote at the time. Obviously, you didn't see, or potentially the club didn't see what potentially fans were seeing in terms of the, the, the sheer strength and depth that other squads were going to and the money that was being banded about by other clubs. What was the the aim for the club this season? What So when you've given Danny remit, 2021, 2022, this is what we expect from you. Playoffs. That was the that that was the the uh, the ambition. That, well, I say the ambition. The ambition of every team is to win the league, but our priority was to make the playoffs and at all costs avoid relegation. Uh, that's that's no different to what has been any other season we've been in in League One, um, and we all genuinely felt that had the signings that we expected to make gone through, then we would we would be in that position to challenge. Um, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, Mark McGuigan not coming to the club was a huge, huge disappointment to everybody. And I think it probably affected us even the way that we started the season. Um, losing uh, Ross Davidson, losing Ryan Wallace and Danny Swanson, uh, were, that, was, that was huge. To I mean, they were four guaranteed starters every week. Uh, and that, that took the backbone, or, or basically the spine, out of the team at that point. And I think we suffered through the League Cup group uh, and the start of the season because of that. Um, and, you know, 
that there's been allegations of money not being available um, and, you know, the targets that Darren wanted, Darren, Darren got, albeit Mark McGuigan didn't, didn't come, which was nobody's fault. Uh, and there's no way that we as a part-time football club could have stopped him uh, getting the, the chance of a lifetime. To, to do to do a uh, further his PhD uh, in sports science. There's no way we could stand in his way. But what that what what that effect had was that obviously Darren had priorities one, two, three, and four in the striking department because Mark McGuigan agreed to come. He then let two, three, and four go, and then when Mark McGuigan said. He couldn't come, then two, three, four weren't there. They had already signed for other teams. So his his options were greatly reduced at that point. And that did cause, I'll, I'll use the word malaise. There was a bit of a malaise uh, at the start of the season. And unfortunately, we've just not recovered from it, really. So I can only go on rumours because that, that's what happens at a club like ours, which is what, you, probably ha- what happens with, with, with quite a lot of clubs, but I'm not going to pull any punches with you. I'm going to ask the questions that we've been asked to ask. So Gregor Buchanan and Ryan McGeever were two people that I believe Darren really wanted, uh, but I also believe they wanted silly money. Um, every Spife fan could look at our defence right now and know that it's not up to scratch. What has been relayed to us is Darren was given a budget. Then towards the end of the season, Darren was then told he has an extra, to put a figure that I've been told, £800 per week that he could use to to bring some other players in. And in so brought in Connell Lasea Bonsu and potentially Conor McManus and Kieran Miller, if my, my memory serves me right. How did it... First of all, is that true? Second of all, if it is true, then is that down to the fact that the, the club hadn't had realised that the squad wasn't where it needed to be and found the extra money, or was it a case of we messed our budget up around the COVID situation and actually realised that we had more money than we thought? Oh, there was no mess up in the budget. And I think you'll find that uh, Conor McManus was one of the early sign-ins. So he right. certainly wasn't one of them. Kyle Connell uh, came in because we were looking for a striker. Uh, yeah. And as, as I said, you know, options one, two, three and four had gone. Uh, yeah. So, you know, every team in Scotland is looking for a striker. Um, and unfortunately, our target didn't work out. Um the budget wasn't messed up. What we had to budget for at the time was we didn't know whether we were going to get any fans back into Bayview. We didn't know what the income was going to be for the year. So the budget was set. Uh, and it was still a very, very good budget uh, compared to, to, to recent, recent seasons. But as I say, one of the, the, the biggest problems that's, that's happening in lower league football at the moment is that the likes of, I'm not going to name names, but you can guess which teams I'm talking about, that players who would be worth £200 a week, say, last season, 
are now demanding £400 a week or £300 a week because that's what this team is paying their players. Yeah, that we, we can't compete with that. We we just cannot compete with that sort of sort of uh, but, uh, money to, to individual players. And we we've got players who are on uh, still a year or an eighteen month contract. Suddenly, guys would be coming in earning double what what they're earning, and that just that we just couldn't do that. We just couldn't do it. And but that spoiled it for. We're not the only team that are bemoaning that. Virtually every team in the league is bemoaning that the, the, the price for average, I, I use that, that's a derogatory term, that players, League One standard players, has almost doubled uh, in the last, the last 18, to two, 18 months to two years. And do you think that that's indicative of our league position in the end? Because is, is it, we are not getting the players that we probably need to be able to compete because we can't afford them. And that's ultimately why we find ourselves at the end of the table that we're at. Um, well, I don't think you can. I don't think you can argue with that. You know, I mean, you've you've got you've got to uh, look at what other teams have signed. But I still maintain that the vast majority of our squad, when fit, is as good as probably five, six of the other teams in this league. But we have been really badly hit by injuries and. The COVID situation has been really, really bad for, for our club. Now, other clubs have had this situation with the COVID uh, and are, are getting their way through it uh, better than, than we have. But you know, once, once you get to the bottom of the league, it is very hard to get yourself out of that, that position. And you know, I, I, I maintain... That had we had Stuart Murdoch, who has played six games this season, Ross Davidson, who's played four games this season, Ryan Wallace, who's now only played, I think, eight eight games, uh, where Kevin Smith wasn't fit at the start of the season, and um, you know, and then Danny Swanson, who at the end of last season and in preseason was looking absolutely fantastic, and then goes and gets injured in a meaningless game at 13 nothing against Burnt Island Shipyard. You, you, you can't legislate for that happening at the start of, a, start of a season. And, you know, we have missed these players greatly. Can I just jump in at this point and just ask about Danny Swanson? What mm-hmm. is the situation with him just now? Are we going to see him play this year? It's a lot of money. Obviously, just sitting on the bench, and you've got to pay the guy. You can't not not pay him. He has a contract, but has there been discussions with him of look, what's the future going to look like? Are you still wanting to play? When are you going to play? Have, oh, there's did, no doubt. Did, did you even discuss taking a lower wage with him? No, no. We are, we are, boys under contract. Yeah, you know, you you, you can't you can't uh, lessen somebody's contract. Uh, or they, they can get a free transfer and just go. You know, there is uh, if you offer somebody less, they, they're allowed to just go with no recompense on it. But Danny played 45 minutes uh, in a bounce game against Whitburn two weeks ago and came through it very well. Uh, he's been training twice a week um, and he's, 
he is making progress, whether it's two weeks, four weeks, or whatever, uh, he will regain fitness. Whether that's going to be quick enough to get him back playing games at this stage, we don't know. His injury has healed, uh, but it's it's all about fitness. I think that we, we desperately need him. You know, we, we desperately need somebody of his ability to come in and, and grab the game by the scuff in the neck. And, and he's the, the sort of creative flair that we really, really need. Because, you know, like you, I think that our squad is eeksy-peeksy, if not better than the likes of Peterhead. Um, Dumbarton, Clyde even, you know, who have put out a wee run together, you know, I think our squad can compete with them. One of the questions, in fact, this is a two-part question again. We're in January, we've, we've obviously added Ryan Blair, but equally we've got a very bloated squad. We've recalled our loan players back, which was, I think, a surprising move, considering probably these clubs were paying the wages which I don't imagine will be much for the likes of uh, Cammy Dow, etc. But can we expect to see some new faces in January to, to potentially give us enough to try and stay in this division? Because until the fat lady sings, we're still in with a shout. I think that's that's the intention. Believe me, Stevie Crawford is work, working tirelessly with uh, Jim behind the scenes to, to, to deal with us. And certainly the the hope would be that there will be fresh faces coming in. But you're, you're right. We have more players now than we have ever had uh, at this time, time of the year. But that's because we've needed them because of the number of injuries and, uh, and, and you know, just general illness and, and, and health issues. Uh, sorry, I forgot to mention earlier on as well, Ross Dunlop. I think he's played eight games this season, you know, and he he was due to come back uh, a couple of weeks ago and had a recurrence of his injury again. So, you know, he's he he probably won't be far away uh, within the next couple of weeks of being back as well, and will will uh, be a, a like a new signing in some respects coming back into the side. The big well, one of the big questions for tonight, Liam. Obviously, you've seen publicly some of the statements that went out to shareholders got brought into the sort of public light in, in terms of the club's current financial situation, showing that we've potentially got a, a big nest egg, shall we say there. Can you, as a director, put into layman's terms what that looks like and what the plan is? Because, I mean... From, from the outside looking in, of course, I'm looking at that saying, realistically, why do a club like East Fife need savings? I get some of that being a rainy day fund or a COVID day fund, if you will. But realistically, we want to see that invested in the club because, I mean, real, there's nobody taking a profit out of us, I would imagine. Nobody. So, no. so that, that money we want to see invested in the club, you know, be it in the ground, be it in the team, however... Um, but obviously you're the right person to, to shed the light on that. Okay. Uh, well, it's, it's common knowledge, uh, which it shouldn't have been before the AGM, but somebody decided to, to make it public that on paper, the club was sitting with just under £170,000 in the bank. 
in reality, that's that uh, was in May of of last year. Um, now we have got to pay our players fifty two weeks of the year. That's the deal now. Uh, you can't you can't deduct closed season or any of it. So we still have to pay all all the wages right up right up well con- constantly. Um, so that money disappears very, very quickly. Um, they're, they're, I'm not an accountant, but you know these figures uh, and were explained at the AGM uh, to the shareholders who who turned up for it. Uh, and you know basically that the money we got from the Anderson Fund and from the uh, SPFL, the £150,000, that was put aside basically to pay wages for, for this season. And that's basically where that's, that's gone. So that money was shown in the, in the accounts as being within the club, but that's what's paying the wages this season because it ain't coming through the door. Um, and, you know, there's, there's no... There's no uh, what was I was going to say fairy godmother, but yeah, there's nobody, there's no cash cow coming in to 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 put money into the club. So you know the the running costs of of the the stadium, the players' wages, that's all coming out of of that what we, that money was shown in in May. Cool. So we, we were talking about in December, we were talking about figures that were six months old. Yeah. Yeah. No. So. Uh, that's that's where we are with with that. We would love to to be in a position to say to to Stevie, there's there's fifty sixty grand. Go and go and get what you you want. But you know the bottom line is, if we spend money we don't have, then you know the 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 bottom line is there'll be no East Fife. That's that's where that's where we are. So. There's been a lot of changes in the board this year, obviously yourself, full board member now, Robert Cargill, I believe, and Douglas Briggs, is that right? Yep. The changes? Yep. So we are making positive changes. I believe positive changes in those appointments. My concern is, is there's nobody at the club that seems to publicly be trying to bring money in. You have a look at the, the boards around the stadium, doesn't seem to be much changes there. We have a look at some of the other clubs around us you know, Arbroath are an, an, ex- an excellent example of engaging the local community. Kelly Harps, who uh, even pains me to say it, are doing a fantastic job at engaging the local community. We've got 300 kids coming through these five community football club regularly. And from what I understand, there's, there's no incentive to get these kids through the door. You're, you're saying there's no cash cow and, and there's no fans coming through the gates. But what are we doing? Where's that change going to come in? Because unless we've got somebody that's, that's trying to bring money in, because the product in the park isn't going to bring fans in. So we're kind of at a crossroads just now. What is the plan? Well, firstly, um, obviously we lost uh, Ken Henderson, who was our commercial director uh, in November, I think it was. Um, and Ken, Ken was the guy that was driving, trying to get... Uh, commercial stuff back into the into the club um, just because of the way things have, have turned out uh, with Dave's illness and everything else that's fallen that's fallen on our lap 
we haven't been in a position to present, uh, uh, appoint anybody as, as the new commercial director. It's one of these situations where you could end up spending a lot of money paying somebody as a commercial person and getting no return. You know, we, we are in an area which is really, you know, is still in a state of deprivation. Uh, and apart from Harland Wolf coming in, you know, there are no big businesses who are going to pump money into, into a football club. We've tried Diageo in the past who say that they cannot be seen to be sponsoring uh, an individual football club. And then you go to Alawa and it's Diageo's plastered all around the stadium. It's basically the people at leaving are not interested. Uh, so they're not prepared to take it, take it any further. You know, Harland Wolf, we are, we are discussing things with them at the moment and would hope that we can take that forward. Um, but other than that, there, there are no big businesses. So we're, we're reliant on the goodwill of the, our local businesses who will do whatever they can, whether it's a £500 board or, or you know, taking hospitality, which, which again has been a huge loss to us financially this season. You know, yeah. We've had one hospitality day. We had a, the, the Falkirk game. We had 95 people booked, booked for that, uh, which was going to be a good payday for us. It was announced on the Monday about the, the restrictions. By Wednesday, it was down to something like 47 people because the, the rest had backed out. Uh, and we ended up having to pull the plug on it. So that's cost us a lot of money. Now, we might be fortunate that when the game's replayed and on the 22nd, that maybe we'll have people back in the stadium again uh, to a full, a full capacity and uh, we'll be able to recoup that money. But if not, that was one of the games where you're kind of looking at it at the start of the season and saying, yeah, that will get us get us some decent, um, decent return on that. You know, the, the Falkirk fans that came to that game, 400 last season, 950. You know, it, that, that would have been a, a big knock-on to, to uh, costs as well. So, you know, we are actively looking for somebody to, to deal with the commercial side of it. Uh, and hopefully that will, that will be done fairly soon. Uh, but it's something we are all very conscious of. Yeah, I, I think that was a big question for me. And, you, and I know you listened to the show and you probably heard me mention it before, but you know, you, you look at the likes of Stenhouse Muir appointing a CEO and, and how well that went for them in terms of the running of their club and, and the stability of their club. And, you know, I, I know they're not setting the heather on fire, but again, you have a quick look at around local view. The boards are always full. Do you think that there's a, a potential chance that, it's, you know, we have to get somebody in that that's their sole role and whether we have to pay them a salary, these guys should be making their salary back. And if they don't, then that's when you pay them off. You know, like I've worked in a sales job, you know, if they're not yeah. bringing in the revenue, then they're understanding in a sales job that you've got to make your own wage and then some. Well, that's that's a board that's a board decision, Lee. And I, I can't comment on that just now because I haven't spoken to anybody else about that at the moment. But yeah, commercials, commercials are a huge thing. But you look at, uh, you, you mentioned Stennis Muir there, um, 
they're a CE, they're a uh, community football club. They yeah. they're they're different to a limited company. Our growth, they got half a million pounds for the SPFL last season. You know, whereas we got one hundred and fifty thousand pounds. So they're able to to you know appoint a a commercial a full time commercial director to do that. They've got the you know they've got other commercial interests uh, that are that are uh, using their hospitality through through their manager and co-managers uh, businesses you know so that's things that we we don't have um, but you know we we are acutely aware that we have to generate funds for the for the club and in terms of the community football club I've touched on 300 kids going through there and and I'll be honest with you I asked the question we don't seem to be doing anything with these kids. And I know that there's, it's one of those ones where you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But is there not a way that we could be incentive? You've said it yourself at the top of the show, we've got a very aging support. Then why aren't we doing anything with these children that we could be getting to become, you know, the likes of Isla English or Scott Young, Zach Aitken, you know, boys that have, like, or myself even, Doug, you know, kids that have started at East Fife and then followed us forever. We need to be capturing these kids now before they go to yep. Rangers or to Celtic or Wraith or, or Kelty even. Totally agree. And we're actually in discussions with the community football club just now to to try and facilitate facilitate that. Yeah. The, the, the problem we had in the past, uh, and we, we've seen it, that when you do say like a parent and child thing, you know, you'll say the child's getting in for free and the parent, the parent uh, has to pay. The child gets in for free. What we found was that the people that took advantage of that would have been turning up anyway. You know, they weren't. They weren't. A, it wasn't a that we were gaining an adult supporter. We were losing a child supporter's money. Um, and the other issue that that was a big issue when we tried it previously was that parents were turning up, pushing their kids through the turnstile, and buggering off for for an hour and a half. And it was basically a glorified crash uh, and nobody was looking after them and they were running, running amok uh, within the stadium. So this is the sort of thing that we're trying to sort out with, uh, with the community football club. And I'm confident we'll get something, something sorted out with them. You're right, there's 300 to 400 kids. Uh, it's, it's, it's great when you see them. Uh, because the, the majority of them are wearing these five strips. Yeah. But getting them to a game on a Saturday is just not working. But you've got to, you've also got to provide it on the park. And being perfectly blunt, we haven't provided it on the park this season. Yeah. I think that's a I think that's an age-old problem that's been going on for a long time, only in fairness. I don't yeah, think there's a is. quick I mean, I, I only I only went to East Five because my dad took me. You're probably the same. You know, you, you almost need your parent to be a East Fife fan who then, you know, and I'm going to say this bluntly, forces their child to become an East Fife fan. Yeah. Uh, I, I made the decision that. myself, but obviously I uh, have issues. But playing devil's <laughs> advocate in that, Doug, there's, there, isn't a, there isn't 600 Kelty fans all of a sudden. No, but there's a team that's winning on the pitch every week. Yeah, it's a, exactly. It's a much easier proposition to say... Let's get along and watch the team that's winning every week. I mean, I, I would imagine, I would imagine, Liam, that our home attendance when we were winning the league in the league below was bigger than it is now, or or bigger than it generally is at home, or at least similar. It, 
it was bigger, but not substantially bigger. And yeah. that's that's the thing, you know, we, we have got, uh, I mean, it's something that Dave used to go on about all the time, that when you saw a figure of 400 and, 450, say, at, at a game, if you took off the home support, uh, the away support, you would find that there would be something like 75 people had actually paid to come through the gate. Mm. Right? 70, 75 people. So that's that's above over and above your season ticket holders. So yeah. you know, whilst season ticket money is great to have at the start of the season, we need people coming through the gate to keep the weekly running, the running of the, the, the place. And that's that's not been happening. And you know, I've I've racked my brain about it. We've, uh, I, I, you know, Doogie Briggs actually is in the office next to me uh, at work, uh, not not in the same room, but in the, in the room <laughs> next to mine. Uh, and we chat about this regularly. And, you know, the ageing support is, is a huge concern to us. Um, and it's something that we, we have to, we have to deal with. Um, and, you know, it's something that we are actively pursuing. Can, can I just well, ask? I'm really glad to hear that, by the way, just before you went, Michael. Yeah. Really, really glad to hear that. Something that I'm really, really passionate about is is getting, like, you've probably seen me in recent weeks. I've been bringing my, my mate's kid along with me. Um, you know, he then brought his mum, and I'm trying to convince his dad, who's an Arsenal fan, to, to get along to us as well. Because, you know... Unless you've got that tie, there's nothing to bring you into East Fife. The first game I took Aiden to was the game that was smashed Cove. He's like, this is brilliant. Can I come next week? And I was like, this doesn't happen every week, pal. Um, but, I mean, the, the community club, football club, is some. I mean, you are so instrumental in the Young Fifers, Liam. It was one thing that I know that you're passionate about. So it, it, it's why I wanted to ask you the question. It's great to hear that there's, there's talks ongoing, and I hope that something comes from it. Even if it's you know as part of the membership for the community football club, they get a quite similar to the plastic card that um, the season ticket holders get. You know, and then that's unique to them and their name, and it's only them that could use it. Whatever. Um, hopefully, there's something that we could use. But Michael, but, yeah, so, I mean, sorry, Michael, just before you go on with that, but what I should add as well, you know, a child season ticket is forty pounds. Yeah, it's forty pounds for a minimum of eight. Well, it's for eighteen games. You know, two pound yeah. twenty pence. So you know, the, the the cost of a child coming to a game is not prohibitive. You yeah. know, it's it's getting the adults to come with yeah. these kids and keep coming with them is is going to be the the difficult part. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and a winning that, team on the pitch helps. That, obviously. obviously, obviously. I mean, yeah. I mean, we go back to the young fifers when we started that up. Bear in mind, we were bumping along third bottom of the bottom league when we started the Young Fifers and we had, yeah. <laughs> and, and we had, we, it was a great going, going thing. And it's, you know, it, it, it ultimately led to the community football club uh, being formed, the, the, which was great. Can I just say, sorry, sorry, Michael, I know you're going to come in. I think the biggest thing we forget for me is this is a completely different world we live in to when you were young, Lee, and I was young. Kids, kids generally don't want to go and watch football. They're quite happy playing on their, you know, computers on their phones, all that. It's, it's. I just think it's a different. That's where it's very, very, very difficult for clubs to entice people in because they've got there's so many other things going on for kids. There was nothing going on when I was young. It was like what did I do on a Saturday? Watch B 
BBC One or go to the football. You know, there generally wasn't much different or things to do. Whereas now, I just think it's it's a different, it's such a different world. It's very, very, very difficult. I every week I watch the highlights of every lower league game. Uh, and I'm fortunate I can actually get access to Y Scout and to uh, uh, what's it called uh, Instat, where I can see I can watch games. And the thing that strikes me watching virtually every team is that they've all got ultras or young team or whatever whatever you want to call them. Right now, we were actually doing really well with that before COVID. We had we had the the, ace, the boys in the A section. Some folk didn't didn't like them. I loved the fact that they were there. I loved to hear them singing all through the games. We lost that generation because of COVID, and it's it's they've now grown up and are probably chasing lassies around the street or discovered drink. So we're now needing to get a new section A coming in. And I know they tried last week, but there just wasn't enough of them to. To, to generate that bit of an atmosphere because the players love it. They absolutely love it when when the kids are there singing and banging the drum and all the rest of it. So it's something we need to encourage. And again, it's something that we'll discuss as a board as to how we can we can actually do that. Just, and, just bring in cheerleaders and give them some free booze. That'll sort of... <laughs> That'll get them back. Oh, God, you'll get Lee right in the front. Popping <laughs> <Stopping> my legs. <laughs> Obviously, money and getting fans in is a key aspect. Has the club thought of moving away from like Saturday afternoons, maybe going Friday night, maybe going Sunday kickoffs, just to try something different to to try and get different people in? Um, I'll, I'll say no, we haven't. Uh, I would I would love to be playing on a Friday night. Um, I would uh, I think that would be absolutely fantastic. Interestingly, Edinburgh City are doing it this year, and the crowds haven't moved one little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's you know I remember we tried it uh, in two thousand and seven. I think we played East Stirling and Arbroath on a Friday night at Bayview. And that did generate crowds. And a lot of people did come to the game before going out on Friday night. Uh, so, you know, the, the, you can't do that just now. Maybe maybe in a few few months, then things will be back to normal. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think the, the problem is you need every other team in your league to agree to play on that day. Now, Edinburgh... Edinburgh obviously managed to get that, and there you go. Elgin travelled down on Friday night to play to play there. I tend to think that there wouldn't be an agreement in League One to move to a Friday night a Friday night game. I can't see us staying up. I, it, it would take a miracle, I feel, to stay up. I think best we can hope second bottom, and then you're in a playoffs against teams that could be flying. I guess you could argue if we do make that, we would be flying at that point as well. But if you look at the worst case scenario, we go down next season's in the bottom tier. How perilous are our finances if that happens? What needs to be done to make the club on a firm, stable financial footing if that happens? Well, uh, what I can say is that we have not discussed that uh, possibility yet. As as a board, not not formally. I mean, obviously, 
we talk to each other and uh, and the likes, but we have not discussed that that formally. You know, we're, we're still okay. We're five points behind Dumbarton at the moment. If we win on Saturday at Dumbarton, we go to two points. If we lose, it goes to eight. Now, eight becomes very, very, very difficult to overcome. Um, but until we're arith- arithmetically uh, out of it, then I'll, I'll continue to believe we can get ourselves out of it. And I, I genuinely believe that, that if it went to the playoffs, that we would still be better than anything that finishes in second, third or fourth in League Two. Um, I did think that previously when, when we went down, having losing to Sterling Albion, but um, that, that's, that's that. But there will come a point where we do have to discuss that if it's still looking looking how it is um, but perilous I would not use the word perilous for for the state of the club uh, Jim Stevenson's got a handle on the financial side of the side of the club and I, I know that he will do what needs to be done to make sure that we're not in a perilous situation but we also have to be realistic when it gets if it gets to that stage, uh, and you know we'll deal with it as as a board, as as we deal with everything else. I mean, with all respect here to the board, I'm not like trying to come across bad towards you. Shouldn't you have that contingency plan? That baffles me that you haven't even thought of that possibility. Surely you should have that foresight as a board, and already have a plan B in case this plays out. Because that should affect the playing budget and who you might bring in this window and with an eye to, well, we don't want to bring this guy in and give him a a one-and-a-half-year deal when we could be in the second division next year and then he's not going to be happy, we can't afford that. It just baffles me that you wouldn't have already that plan in place. No, Well, as I said, Michael, we've got a board meeting uh, in two weeks' time. Now, that may be brought up at that board meeting. I don't know. I've not seen an agenda for it yet. So... Yeah, I mean, we we are still four months from the end of the season, uh, so there's there's time enough yet for us to be discussing that. Uh, so I don't think there's there's really much more to say on that at this point. So speaking of board, uh, one of the questions that I'm sure you've seen on social media and it always rears its ugly head at, at some point is around the ownership of the club. Now. I, I die a little bit inside every time I talk about it. To be honest. Um, a lot of the questions that we've had are about the, the ownership. So are they involved in the day-to-day run of the club? And are they accessible? Do, do you have regular conversations with them? And, and fundamentally, do they care? Uh, well, I can't answer the last one because I don't know if they, if they care or not. What I can tell you is they are, they are not involved in the day-to-day running of the club. That is purely down to the board. Uh, to deal with that, um, I've I've no doubt that at times Jim Stevenson will will speak to the the major shareholder, um, but what that conversation is, I don't know. But what I can categorically say is that they have no involvement in the run the day to day running of the club. Is there any sort of long term role from the board? to potentially try and prize the share from the Twig family? 
Um, with with this board, I would say at the moment no, because I, uh, we all know the figure that the uh, the major shareholder was looking for for their shares, um, and there is no way that we could raise that that capital to 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 buy that out. And you know, we we tried. I was part of the group that tried uh, to to do a fan buyout. God, I was actually wondering when that was. Uh, I can't remember. It was at least five five years ago. Um, but they were looking for a substantial amount of money, and as far as I'm aware, they're they're still looking for the for the same amount. So, you know, and the other thing that you've got to remember is that if unless it is fan ownership, if an individual comes in and buys that majority shareholding, then that individual becomes the majority shareholder. And you're in no different a situation unless they are involved in the day-to-day running of the club. Is there any way that Joe Public can buy shares in East Fife? There are, there are none available to buy. None available. The, the, as, as, far, as far as I'm aware, the, all, all shares are, are allocated at the moment. Uh, and, you know, a fresh a fresh share issue is going to do nothing uh, for it because the, the, the major shareholder would have to consent to that uh, re- or, uh, fresh issue of shares. And that ain't going to happen because that would just dilute dilute their, uh, their share. So, Liam, are you able to give even just a rough, I'm not wanting an exact figure of what they're wanting to buy each fight or to have that majority shareholder? Well, what I can tell you is that the and this, this was public knowledge at the time. I think uh, we we as I say we as a group because I was involved in the group at the time. We offered uh, them one hundred and fifty thousand pounds for for the shares, and we're told that's a good down payment. When would you pay the next two hundred thousand pounds? So there, there you go. So that, that's that's the sort of money they were they were looking for then. And I, I, I don't know, but I don't see why they would be looking for anything different. So in essence, 400 grand is what they're wanting? Possibly. I don't, I don't know what the, the figure is now, but uh, that's, that's the sort of thing uh, that you're talking I've got, about. I've got, I've got 40 quid. Just a wee star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's, that's, that's somebody somebody having to do that before there's any investment in the club. Yeah. And, and what you've got to bear in mind is that that would be that sort of money for a 51% share in a part-time football club. Where's that going to come from? Uh, unless, unless somebody wins the lottery. But as I say, that then comes back to then you've got still one major shareholder. These people have got no long-term interest in us. What is their interest in us? Because is it the ground? Is it the, the area around the ground? Like what, what is the financial interest in the club? Because there can't be really anything. I don't, I don't know, Lee. That's, that's the honest truth. The football club owns the stadium. And you know, the, the major shareholder owns the land out with that. 
that that's it, you know. Uh, so what 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 the aims are, I don't know. Well, that's all the questions that I had written down um, that have been sort of whittled down from all the other ones. Um, have you guys got... Oh, you're not going to ask me about ground redevelopment. That's... <laughs> the, the ground redevelopment one, that you're pissing in the wind because what's the point yeah. in developing a ground that we can't fill? So as much as that was a great question and I understand why, you know, you're going to then essentially be like, right, okay, I'm going to redevelop the ground for the same 350 people to be in it. So there's... I don't think that that, in my opinion, changes the atmosphere, um, unless anybody else wants to tell me something different. Well, it'd be ideal for COVID spacing, but hopefully that's not going to go on for, for too much longer. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to ask, now, this is obviously easier said than done, but, it, and again, this is no disrespect to the current board, but it does feel that some new younger blood with new ideas and new money coming into the board would be ideal and every club wants that. But from looking in from afar, I don't know where that comes from because we've talked about it's an older fan base. I, I The ideal situation is somebody comes in, they've got fresh ideas, it's, it's, they're younger, they're, they maybe get the social media side going better or whatever. I just don't know where we find that person, and that that is a worry to me. Yes, uh, it, it is a concern, and and you know, let's face it, seven years ago, eight years ago, we thought that was what's what was happening, but you yeah. you, you can't build houses on on sand, you know, and that's yeah. basically what what it was. You know, so I know, and that's yeah. a, that, like that's another big worry because so many folk are like, "Oh, let's get someone to come in and buy it." It's like we've been in this situation twice now, with two owners, and both times it left us. I'll go back to the phrase "perilous state," which I know we're not mm -hmm. just now. We were very close under both of those guys to to not having a football team, oh, and I, very I, very much so. Uh, I I don't think people fully realise. Yeah how bad it was and and I, i'm i'm going to say this and, and please don't think it's harsh licking but if if it hadn't been for jim stevenson coming in eight years ago and sorting out the mess we wouldn't have had a football club uh now you know it was that that bad the two rangers games just about crucified us and that's 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 the bottom line with that one you know everybody thought uh we were we were going to make millions or, or thousands of pounds out of the Rangers games. We barely broke even on on these games because because of miscalculations left, right, and centre on what it was going to achieve. And I always remember it, that because we were the only club in the league that year to make a loss. Every other club made yeah. a profit on the back of the Rangers right. games. Unbelievable. Yeah. The, 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 to be honest, the, the Lee Murray era boils my blood. I can't even talk about it. Yeah. Well. Uh, uh, now I have to hold my hand up and say, if it hadn't been for for Lee, I probably wouldn't be on the board. Uh, you know, because it was him that got me got me in at that time. But like everybody else, I thought what we were doing was was right. But I didn't realise at that point that the the finances weren't in place to 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 sustain it. You know, so um, I it's it's not a, it was not a good period for the club at all.
Uh, Liam, can, and... I, can I just very quickly ask just a couple of questions because I know your time is precious. Just going back to the current, obviously, situation you know we're facing on the pitch, do we, like for me, we've got four weeks now to save our season because we've got the Martin away then three home games in a row. Do you think there's a chance we might have new faces coming in before Saturday? Uh, certainly in the window, I would, I would hope that there will be new faces coming in. Uh, whether it's for Saturday, uh, I, I can't say. As I said, you know, Jim and Stevie are in constant contact with each other. I know Stevie is, is using all his networking to, to uh, look at players uh, and, and the likes. So, yes, there will be movement in January, I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, but whether it will be for Saturday, I, I just don't know. Because I think... <laughs> I was really concerned by the recalling of the three young guys on loan because, it, to me, it kind of... I always think that move kind of smacks of, you know, let's see what, what they're like, if they're good enough. But then we're not... In the, I don't think we're in a position to be able to do that massively, but, but fair no, play. No, well, um, well I, could, I could probably explain that, uh, Duke, because yeah. um, all three are still el eligible to play for the under-20s. So they, they will be part of the first-team squad but the manager will be able to assess them firsthand in the under-20 games. And they're now back in, they will be training with the first-team squad as well. So he'll be able to assess them uh, in training. And, you know, if, whilst, whilst it would have been nice uh, for them to go out uh, or stay out on loan, you know, we, we, have to, we have to look at them and see whether they are going to be worth contracts for next season. I mean, my other question very quickly was actually about the under-20s. Did the board view the under-20s as being a very successful venture? Yes. Yes. In terms of, like, from a fan's point of view, I would look at, I mean, how many years has it been going now? Three or four? Uh, three. Three. Right. And I would look at and say, you've got Liam Newton that's come through, and that's it. And I know there's guys that have made a two-minute appearance off the bench or whatnot. For me, that's slightly worrying in terms of, are we getting guys that are good enough? Like, I personally don't think, no offence to Liam Newton as a League One standard footballer. So I worry that we are, you know, we've got this under-20 team, we've got, you know, where there's what budget's going into it. I just worry how successful that is or is going to be. What, what the under-20s uh, are doing is that, yeah, they've had some, some defeats this season. Uh, they, they've been affected by, you know, probably the star players uh, and Healy, Allen and Dow going out on loan. That's weakened them. But if you were to assess their, the, the ages that are playing for, uh, for their under-20s, some of them have still got three to four years to play under-20 football. And that, that shows that the level they're at, that they're able to command a place in the under-20 under side. And the hope would be you know, if we got one per season coming through, that would be a success. That that would be a success for, for having a youth development squad, uh, or a, an under-20 squad, sorry. But more importantly, it's also showing local kids that there's a pathway through the, the, the community football club right to the first team. And that there are some very excited players in the, in the under-20s and, uh, you know, they're up against teams 
as I said, they've got some guys that are 16, 17 playing regularly against teams who are almost fielding 21-year-olds, a full side of 21-year-olds because they were allowed to because of COVID. Uh, they extended the age group to 21. And they're holding their own against these 21-year-olds. Uh, so that that is almost as good as being out on loan with, uh, with a Lowland League side or whatever. So, yes, I think the, there's, there's a, a huge amount to be uh, positive about with the under-20s. Should come along, Duke. Come along on a Friday night and watch them. And I tell you, I love watching them play. They get the ball down and they play football. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I need to add, to be fair, you're right. I mean, I can't moan if I don't go and watch them. But no, no, that's, that is interesting, certainly. If I can maybe just ask one last thing, then we'll let, let you go, Liam. And I'm going to ask you this, not as a board member, just as an individual, a long-time East Fife fan. Because we've talked about this so much on the show. Where do you think East Fife's place is in Scottish football in the current climate? Are we a third-tier team? Are we bottom of the third tier, top of the third tier? Do you think we have the facilities and the the fan base and the finances to be a championship team? Or are we more a team that's going to be maybe down the bottom of League One and a League Two team? Okay, well... Where I want us to be is where our growth are. That's that's what we, we all want. Yeah. What we want, what we look to achieve is being competitive and being at the, the upper echelons of the, of the league, uh, League One. Uh, where, where we are, we have underperformed this season. We are, we are a better club, and I, I use the word club there, than our league position shows um results have not have not shown that and that's that's what the disappointment is i mean nobody nobody feels defeats any harder than than the board does and you know uh, there's been if you ask Pauline how many weekends have been spoiled in the last six months uh, because of because of football results then uh, you know she, she wouldn't be long in telling you um you know it's that's where we want. You know, we don't want to be in League Two because, being perfectly blunt, you're one bad season in League Two away from potentially going out the league. Yeah. And whilst next season in League Two, if you were to look at it, there ain't going to be a Kelty. There ain't going to be a Queen's Park. There's nobody, you know, Bonnie Rig potentially coming in or uh, Fraserborough. They're not going to have the money that these teams have had in the last two years. So it'll be a much more open playing field if you want. But the reality is, if it's an open playing field, it's dog-eat-dog. Dog. And all you need is four or five defeats on the trot and you're bouncing along at the bottom. And just as we're finding in League One, you know, it's bloody hard to get back up again once you're, once you're on a downer. So, you know, we're, we're acutely aware of what's happened to uh, Cowden Beath over the last 10 years uh, and Brecon City and more. Yeah, more Brecon's, recent the, Brecon's the perfect uh, example. Yeah, uh, you've got to be careful as to, to what you do. Uh, so, you know, League One constantly challenging is what we want to be. Uh, and if we can potentially make that step up, 
you know, I think, being brutally honest, if you could get one season in the championship, it probably sets you up for the next four seasons in League One. You know, it's it's uh, that's that's where that's where there's money, that's where there's crowds. You know, away support, the away support in this league is is pretty poor. Yeah. But apart from the notable exceptions, League Two it's even worse. You know, yeah. so and and as I was saying earlier, we need the away supports coming in to generate income. Uh, so, you know. I don't think I can be any clearer than than that. You know, we we have we have rightfully earned the the chance to be a, a League One side, but we we're going to have to fight even harder now to to retain that. Liam, does that give the board the incentive just now then to be throwing everything at the kitchen sink at the January window? Uh, that's up to the finance people that will decide that, Lee. I don't know. As I say, we've got a board meeting in two weeks' time. Uh, things could be could be different uh, in two weeks' time. I just don't know. I mean, as as we, um, I think Michael's rightly said, uh, it might have been Doug, the, the next four games, you know, we're, we've got Dumbarton away, Falkirk at home. Now, Falkirk might have hit a bit of form. It might have been a fluke. Who knows? Um, and then you've got Peterhead and Clyde at home. These are four, and then Alawa away, which is a you know these these five games are huge, absolutely huge. And if we can come out of them on the right side with points, then we're back in the mix, back in the mix. And you know I I, I think we can do it, but it's a big ask. We've got to go on a run. Momentum's huge in this league. Like even just have to look at League Two and Stenhouse Muir, where they were a few months ago, and then you go on a run, and all of a sudden they're fighting for a playoff place. I'm yeah. not saying we can get in the playoffs, but these, like, maybe even take the Falkirk game out of it, but those other three games, they're massive. You get seven to nine points from them, and you're right back in it. Yep. Yeah. I defeat away to Dumbarton. And yeah, I honestly believe if we catch Dumbarton, we'll catch Clyde or Peterhead as well. I, I genuinely believe that. But as the manager keeps saying, we've got to catch Dumbarton first. Yeah, you know that's that's the priority. You've got to catch Dumbarton. And uh, you know, I watched I watched the highlights of their game yesterday, and they got beat six two. That could easily have been eight eight six or something on the on the chances that were created. Dumbarton missed a lot of chances yesterday, um, so you know it's going to be a difficult game going there. You know, Laura pointed out to me today that uh, we have, in fact, it might have been Neil earlier on, but Dumbarton haven't won at home since they beat us, and we oh, haven't really? won since we beat Dumbarton. So there's, there's there's an interesting an interesting thing, and Dumbarton have only won one game at home all season, and that was against us. Is that away so, fans only next week? Get home fans only next week? We don't know. We don't know. We've not got the protocols from uh, from Dumbarton yet. I've no idea what they what they did uh, for their their last game. They were at home, or was that off? No, their last game before Falkirk was offered. So. Uh, we, we'll get the protocol from them tomorrow, uh, so we'll see. 
see what happens from there. Two quick questions that have just right. come through. Um, right. Stevie Crawford's contract has mm-hmm. never been publicised. How long it is? Some fans are asking. Was it two years or a year? It, it, yeah, it was just two. It's, well, uh, that'll be until mm-hmm. 2000 and 2024. Is that right? 2024? Yeah, two, really and half, two and a half years. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I might be wrong on that. I think that's that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, the last question, which I'm surprised didn't come from Doug Perry, is Sean Brown yeah. um, mm-hmm. is um, somebody that's gone on loan to the Spartans and scored some goals, but rumour has it that we have accepted a bid. Is that true? Not that I've heard of. I genuinely have not heard that. Uh, I know that there have been teams asking about him, and he's done well since he went to Spartans. He scored a scored a few goals, and I, from what I believe, uh, he's absolutely flying and training with us when he's back on a. I think it's a Tuesday night he trains with us, and he's absolutely flying. Uh, but uh, and has you know he's actually looking very very sharp. Uh, but Where do football that's... fans get their weird rumours from, eh? Like, no, I wonder. It's well, honestly, see, the, the, thing I heard, the thing I heard about Sean Brown, because obviously rumour mill and everything, was that he wants to come back and fight for his place at East Fife because he feels he can do it at East Fife. So he doesn't want to go anywhere else. I wouldn't be surprised at that. I, mean, I spoke to him. I did an interview with him at the start of the season. And, uh, you know, I think, I think he's had his eyes opened as to what he needs to be to, to get a regular place and let's face it nobody's scoring goals for us just now uh, so whether whether Stevie likes what he sees in, in training and decides to bring him back or has decided that no he's maybe better going somewhere else I, I genuinely do not know so that's me Liam thank you so much for your time I, I don't know about everybody else but I think this has been a a really, really insightful conversation. That's one that I hope our, our listeners um, will enjoy. And, and like you've sort of mentioned, you know, the, the club want to be open. They want to have these conversations. And if anybody wants to approach it, then I'm sure that they can or, or any of the other board members. Um, but well, that, that, that would be the thing I would say as well. It's like, stop just moaning online. If you've got questions, Liam said the club are open. Get in touch and put the questions to the club. I think, yeah. I think for me, Liam, just... A massive thanks to all the sort of hard work you guys do. I think if we could, if we could get this sort of thing two or three times a season, where you know spread over time, where you come on the pod and it just gets gets a chance for people to put questions directly to you, if that's something you you might be able to do. Um, yeah, because yeah. communications it, it is the two way street as well, and I, I think maybe the board haven't been as forthcoming with, with some information as well, and. Well, Michael, what I would say to you on that is that, and, and we've said this before, we will we will uh, make make statements or put stuff out on the website or Twitter or, or so, uh, social media once it's done. You know, we will That's not fair. we will not try and get rumours out there that oh we're going to be signing oh we're speaking to this one we're speaking to that one. We've been burdened many a time before saying that we're going to sign somebody. And then the next thing, he turns up in another team's colours, you know, and and we just won't do that. Now, what what I would say is that, you know, we try to do as much as we possibly can on Twitter and uh, Facebook 
Laura was just saying to me yesterday, she really needs to spend more time on updating the website, but she's doing an awful lot in her spare time. Yeah. You know, she works full time yeah. and she's got to do stuff in her spare time. So, you know, we try to get things out there. We try to be the first ones, you know. I think a lot of folk as well have to remember how many volunteers are involved at the club and that people are uh, doing this. They're, they're not paid. Like Laura doing all the social media stuff. It's a volunteer stuff that she's doing. And yeah, our, our volunteers, the, the, the volunteers we've got at our club are absolutely priceless. You know, Jim always makes a point of thanking them and, and every communique that he puts out. But it's true. You know, if it wasn't for these guys on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning and on match days, we, we couldn't we couldn't run the stadium. Yeah. You know, it's it's they're, yeah, they're, they're the they're lifeblood of a club like ours. And it kind of yeah. brings it around to how we started talking about Davy and stuff. It's like it, it, we need more folk to to be proactive and help this club thrive. And I know it's not all off the pitch stuff. A lot has to get done on the pitch, but of course it does. Of course we it just does. need to all pull together right now because these are tough times in general. And it's tough times at East Fife. And it would be good if we could all kind of rally around and try and move this club forward a bit more. Yeah, and we're, we're all for it. You know, we, we want to bring ourselves up to up to the 22nd, 21st century, uh, whatever we're in. Uh, I don't even know we what day of the week we're in half the time, uh, so it's fine. Exactly, uh, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we as a board will not hide from from questions from people uh, if we can answer them and it's not a breach of confidentiality or financial situations we will answer it uh, so you know god knows leona's probably going to get millions of emails on tuesday morning and i'll get the blame for it but, <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the way it goes that's the way it goes yeah well, i think that's a good way to wrap things up lee yeah definitely again thanks liam um you know we when we started the, the podcast, it was initially out of boredom during lockdown and what former players and stuff, and what is involved in to, is fans having their voice, and we want to ensure that that continues to happen and, and maintain a good relationship with the club like we have done since its inception. And having you on here, given the ability to for fans to, to ask their questions through us has been great, but equally we appreciate the, the cooperation of the club and, and coming on and, and giving us the answers that we've been seeking. So thank you so much. No, no problem, no problem, and uh, I'll expect to see you all apart for you, Michael. Possibly when we have our next open forum at Bayview. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programs through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. Today's podcast is brought to you by John W. Gilbertson Limited, a small, friendly, family firm of solicitors based in Glenrothes, who specialise in buying and selling residential property, wills, powers of attorney and executory work. On your team, on your side, supporting you all the way to achieve your goals. Well... It is a football show after all. So thank you so much to, to Liam Anderson from the East Fife board for coming on. Thank you so much to our sponsors as well, which we, we squeezed in at the end of the show there. 
a really interesting show. I think there's lots of topics for debate, but we're going to leave that down to your listeners. I think we've said um, what we need to say for that. There's definitely some um, some topics of discussion there. One thing I will say, though, is I really appreciate how honest Liam was. There, there didn't seem to be any BS coming from him. Yeah. I think that if he was able to answer something he did, and obviously you guys can't see that as listeners, but I don't feel like he shucked any question. I don't think that he lied in any of his answers. Um, so we, we really appreciate his honesty. But I really didn't want to do this, but Doug's twisted my... Yeah, I want to do this. Oracle arm, and Michael did it as well. Um, I mean, yesterday was as low as I felt as an East Fife fan in a very long time, Michael. Um, I expected it, though. It's like... Oh, I didn't watch the game until this morning. I only saw the highlights this morning. So I just woke up, checked the score. I was like, ah, yeah, we got beat. Expected that. I suffered the 90 minutes of that yesterday. Um, Doug, did you? Or did you highlight No, I, I didn't. I watched the highlights. Um, my, my brother suffered the first 45 minutes and gave up as well. So, look, whether you call me stupid or loyal or a, a hybrid of both, yesterday was one of the worst I've felt after uh, an East Fife game. And to, to lose a goal in the manner we lost it in the opening 95 seconds of the match, oh. essentially sums up East Fife just now. Um, the ball, it, like a hot knife through butter, straight through the middle of our defence. I think that Chris Higgins is the, the closest man to it. Very, very easy finish. It, it was more the second goal for me that annoyed me. Like the, the first one, it wasn't good defending, but like the, the guy took it well. It was the second one that annoyed me because we had five defenders and Gallagher in the six-yard box. Seven, Doug saying? Seven. I, 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 I rewound it and looked at it. It was seven v three. Oh. But in got in the actual six-yard box, though, when the ball comes into the guy, there's five defenders, and it manages to get to the one Airdrie guy that's in the box. There, there's no, no movement. There, there's no movement, there's no urgency, and even if you have a look at the first goal... You have a look at the, the defence and then I think it's Ryan Blair and he's backing off the defend the, the, the attacker all the time. Fucking close him down. Like, I, I, uh, this is why I don't want to yeah. talk about that because I'm so angry. <laughs> they, they back off and they get out-muscled. But they get, like, constantly they get out-muscled. I think the third goal, I can't remember who it was, someone gets just nudged easily off the ball and the ball gets turned over. Go Michael, and Lee, fucking Lee, nail up. Lee, Lee's, Lee's just single-handedly turned us on the Arsenal fan TV. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've triggered him. We've Lee, triggered him. Lee, oh. Lee, you take a wee breather, son, and I'll have a wee chat about the first goal. Uh, I, yeah, I, ten I second time out. I'll, I'll say it in a more calming way. Uh, to, to not close down, there was four or five passes before the, the final ball through. Not one was closed down. And, and like this is after 90 seconds of a match. And the main one was that the guy that played the ball through is Dylan Easton, comfortably their main attacking threat, as in, you know, balls through the box. And nobody went near him. It's it's unbelievable. But and we seem to do that me. every game. It's like, how many times have we said this year their main attacking threat wasn't closed down? But Lee, for me, the worst, uh, sorry, Michael, the worst bit was the goal goes in and the two centre-halves are shouting at each other and pointing at each other. Yep. How can you not know what you're doing after 90 seconds? Like, Chris Higgins has got the experience to lead Aaron Steele through that game, right? Uh, Aaron Steele's absolutely. a 19, 20-year-old kid. 
and Chris Higgins should be talking to him constantly. Think Stevie Tweed and Johnny Smart. Think any mm. of those sort of partnerships that we've had. Stevie Tweed would talk a player through the game. And I'm sorry, that's not happening. Aaron Steele, who has been by far my player of the year along with Jude Smith, has actually looked poor in the last two or three games. And in fact, maybe even since Crawford come in, um, I, I, there's a complete lack of communication in, in that back line and there's no leader. Well, just to rewind it a week, like the Montrose game, I actually hadn't bothered watching the highlights of that until this morning as well. I watched both back to back, which was not a fun, fun morning before doing this. But like the defending for that spell when we gave those goals up as well was shocking. But the first, I mean, but, um, very quickly the Montrose game. First half we were pretty good. You know, we had a couple of decent yeah. chances to lead. But as soon as we lose a goal, it's like, oh well. I mean, that's that's. But so, yesterday we uh, had a couple of chances as well. There was an absolute sitter missed. That the air commentators are going, oh, it has to be in his fight yeah. goal. How did they miss that? Here's yeah. my question, and I am I am not, I'll clarify, I am not having a go at Stevie Crawford, but I wrote down new manager effect. That first game he took charge at Bayview against Aloha, there was a clear game plan. The front two closed down, like ran their arses off, and the wingers closed down. You could see what they were doing. That's gone. That is completely gone. Your strikers are not closing down from the front. Your midfield, like we've said for that first goal, are not getting down and closing the ball down. So what's going on here? Because are the players, you know, are the players going, uh, you know, like can't be arsed putting in the work? I don't that, even that know our shape yesterday. I, I don't I, even I, know our shape. I'll tell you, my, my, my point of view of what I think we should do going is you might as well go fuck it and we go all out attack every game. Go absolutely all out attack to try and score yep. more goals because we can't defend. No, nope. so it's it's very easy to go in a whimper and oh you know try and hang on against Montrose and then you lose a goal and you, what's the point? What is the point? You might as well go for it and go back to what Crawford did in his first reign here, which was right. If we're going to lose, we're going to lose four three because this is shit and we're going down with it without any form of a fight. Absolute turgid garbage, um, to be honest. Um, the, the, the 45 minutes against Montrose, I thought we were really good, and I thought, right, okay, maybe there's something going to come from this. Completely ash fell out of us. Connell getting sent off was petulant, stupid. Um, and to be honest, Seifer sending off like that, similar to Dunsey and Mercer when we played Banks of D, should be fined for being well, a moron. I only, but, like, I'd, I'd seen the outrage for that, and I watched it this morning. I'm assuming he was it's angry he didn't get a, yeah but I'm assuming he didn't he was angry because he didn't get a penalty it was never a penalty being a total pussy and not throwing himself at uh, trying to score at the back of that enraged me beyond belief I hate singling out players but just, just well yesterday from what I've read McMan McManus wouldn't throw himself into tackles he's been the guy that a lot of folk have been reading stuff about and it's like well, Michael, I'll, very quickly, I'll just very quickly throw in my let's all laugh at, uh, which is me in the Montrose game. So I'd had a few yeah. drinks. I'd had a few drinks. Well, all right. Let's go with a few <laughs> drinks. You know, my mother might be listening. Um, a couple of sherbets. And it was getting towards the end of the game. And Scott Mercer completely chickened out of a tackle, like completely chickened out of a tackle. I stand up to give a volley of abuse. And I don't know if I ever said, but I had an accident at work a couple of years ago and smashed my front tooth. So I have a false tooth in the front. 
I hurled so much abuse that this came out as a projectile and went and hit a guy four rows in front of me on the back and thankfully went down the back of his seat and I had to wait patiently till everyone had left the ground at full time because he was chatting to someone to go and retrieve my tooth to put it back in so I could go to the pub and not look like a JK. And that's why uh, there's COVID restrictions. Exactly. <laughs> and so that, that was all Scott Mercer's fault, so thanks. If you'd been wearing your mask, Doug, none of this would have happened. Uh... <laughs> I am, I'm going to have to tell that story on the show here because that is quality. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a real low moment in my life. <laughs> but look, this, this show isn't about um, digging out individual players. And I know that there's been a few dug out tonight, but you've got to understand if you're a player and you listen to this, this isn't good enough. It's not good enough. And one of the things that Crawford's bemoaned after games is, or, or not sort of bemoaned, is defended the players saying that as long as the effort's going in, that he'll defend them. I'm sorry, but the effort hasn't looked there from 75% of our squad for the last two or three games. There's players clearly going through the motions, right? Clearly, clearly going through the motions now. Let me see if I can find this stat that got sent to me. Well, while you're looking for that, I would just say, again, looking at the body language against Airdrie, when they've gone two down so early, there was no fight back from that team. I know they did have a couple of chances that they could have fought back, but that defence had given up by that point. It, yeah. They were like resigned. To, it's like ah oh, well, but the, like the the only guy I can remember in the last three or four games who's like putting a proper slide tackle on is Kieran Miller's the only guy yeah. that's at least tried to, you know. That Danny Denham. I've, I've said it. Danny Lee, I've Denham said it all along. Effort, yeah. right? I've said it all along, Lee. If you're if you're bottom of the league and you're getting beat all the time as a player with professional pride, you should be fucking fuming. Like you should be going like playing those games, losing three 0 raging. Like just because you're like I'm letting you know everyone's letting and and there's nothing. Yeah. That that's where like see if Kyle O'Connell had gone in for some stupid pissed off tackle trying to close a ball down and caught the guy and got a straight red. There's a little bit of me would be like right well if, if we're going to get sent off that's the way to do it not by calling the ref a fanny or something. I mean it's you know what I mean it's is it a three game so fanny got? Just be one. Just one. I I sure I'd read three somewhere but. For, for dissent, I think it'll just be one. Unless, unless it was getting called a cheat or something like that, then it could potentially be more. But, I mean, even then, absolutely stupid um, yeah. beyond belief. But here's here's an interesting stat for you that got sent to us. The last time we won a game was against Dumbarton on the 30th of October. Okay? The last time that we scored in the first half in the league was against Dumbarton in the same game. Okay? We have three wins, four draws, and 13 defeats so far this season. When we've scored first, we have three wins, two draws, and two losses. When we haven't scored first, we've got zero wins, two draws, and 11 losses. So that is any, an interesting one. Anytime that we go a goal down, we're as well as packing up and going home because these players clearly don't have the belief that they can turn that around. Now, for a long time, you know, a lot of the fans would probably say, you know, is that down to Dan Young's management? But the, the, the change in manager, you know, what was the, the expression that somebody sent to me? Um, you, you've got a different conductor getting the same shitty tune, yeah. right? That, so that is, in essence, what that, what's happened. And it actually makes me feel a bit sorry for Darren Young that a lot of fans ousted him out 
Um, and really, the, the players have got to start accepting more responsibility. Now, you, you look at the players that actually do care, right? And you could put your Danny Denham's a, a total try-hard. I get that. Um, you've got Liam Watt, who's not blessed with a lot of ability, but he'll run about a lot and it looks like he'll give you a bit of effort. Scott Mercer, I think, gives you effort. Kev Smith, I think, gives you effort. We need I'm more re- than effort, though. That's yeah. the problem. But, I mean, look effort at Effort doesn't win games. Skill and quality wins games. Well, you say that, but, you know, there's, there's lots of examples where, you know, a team built on spirit, you know, could equally beat a team. You, know, you only have to look at Cambridge beating Newcastle yesterday. Yeah, so. that's, a, that's a one-off game, though. It's like we're trying to get out of a relegation battle. Yeah. Well, put it this way. Derby would be a good example. Derby don't have lots of excellent players, but are putting a string of results together because Wayne Rooney's got them mm. playing as a United team. You know what I mean? I, I don't think... I oh, had to get United player. in there, didn't you? I don't want to talk but, about but that's what I'm saying, Lee. About that's what I'm saying about you know, if you're going to go down, go for it. Like yeah. just go for it because because going down like this, it's it's a waste of time. It is. It's a completely. I mean, the only thing I'll say is we do need to be wary of the fact that the last three games are been against the top three who are all flying, all yeah. of them. And Cove, Cove, we had no chance, and actually it was a fairly spirited whatever. Montrose for a half was decent. Without really creating too much, any injury was injury because it was away from home. We we said it with Liam. You've got Dumbarton away, and then those three games at home, and that's our season. Our season is in four weeks. Yep. By the end of yep. this month, we will know for a fact if we're down or not. Well, not for, but as in we'll know for a fact if well, we are down. Yeah, if, if we lose to Dumbarton, I feel we're down. I don't see yeah. us like we're five points behind just now. It's we not a must to... win. It's not. It's a must not lose. Yeah. Because you've got those yeah. three home games. Doug, that's the wrong attitude, a... mate. Nah, I'm not having that. Well, I, I'm, I'm just... I, having... I know what he means, though. Lee, obviously, it's, it's, not the, it's not the attitude the players will have, but I'm just saying, it's, as it, a fan... A, a draw table, at least keeps us five points in, and then... If we lose, we're down. Yeah. But then, so we can't, this, we can't this is a game that we have to win, because this is our nearest rival. We need to do anything less it's a than a win against Anything less than a win against them, bad, and for me, we're done. Because the other teams above us are, are putting runs together. Look at Clyde. Clyde were, were five points ahead of us not that long ago. They're fucking ten points clear us now, right? So the, you know that this game on Saturday is the biggest game in our club for years. Really is. We need to win. And look, I'm sure that the members of the board will be listening to this, having had Liam on the show. If you are still tuned in. We need to have new signings in this squad for Saturday. It has to happen because we, we need something. Well, we have to, Doug. It's it's not a case of we won't or maybe we will. Put the fucking kitchen sink at it because if you don't want to drop down a division, I'm sorry, this current group of players aren't going to get us out of it. They're really not. I would also say there's, there's signings and there's signings. We bring in some guys from non-league football that I don't think cuts it. We need to get some proper Michael, do you know what I don't makers. get? And I message you about this, Lee. We're 3-0 down at half-time to Airdrie away. We've lost. Right, we have. You've, bought, you've brought three boys back in from loan, you know, from loans where they're doing relatively well. Why has not one of yeah. them got a minute? Yeah. What's the point? This is your time it, to look at these guys. You know, and look, let's not get crowded by Derek Ure, the East of the manager, saying that 
Healy is one of the most exciting people players have had because let's face it, they probably had a bag of shite for years. But surely, but surely you give you give one of them twenty minutes. I don't get that. I, I, yeah. That was the thing that annoyed me more about anything in that game. I didn't because those three guys coming back from loan. That's what I said earlier. Smacks of us going, we're down. We need to see what these boys are. I, I don't buy it. I'm not buying that kind of, you know, we're, we're, we're getting them back in the under 20 so we can see them more. If they're having a successful loan period, keep them out loan and, you know, playing football at an adult level. I, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Well, Dumbarton, it's massive. There, there, there's no understating that. I haven't looked to see, have they been strengthening their squad? Because they've got no. money. So they no, haven't either. Really. They don't have money, by the way. They, they, uh, they don't have money at all. I think somebody came in with a view, uh, adding cash there, but I've not seen anything. But, but even the, the signing that we made and the guy, Ryan Blair, in the announcement, it says he's a left-sided player and he's not even played there. Oh, he played, he played holding midfield. I couldn't believe that in that, the Montrose game. Because if I'm you've just... got attacking left-sided player, and the one position we actually don't need is a holding midfielder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah we, need, we need creativity. I, I guess the theory was to try and just get someone who's got a bit of on the ball earlier, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's depressing. Should we do predictions for Dunbar? Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I, I'll go. I'll go first. Um, I, I think we'll lose two 0 Oh, jeez! Oh, come on, guys. Three 0 surely. That <laughs> is away from home, right enough. Um, I, I think 3-0 or 3-1, if we're lucky, we'll squeak one. Do, do you know what is ridiculous, though? And I'm being genuinely serious here. If this was at home, I think we'd beat them. And because it's away, I think we'll get beaten quite comfortably. It, the away record's so bad that it makes you think that way. I, I genuinely think if we were playing them at home, there'd be enough there fighting, fans getting behind it, to maybe do it. But away from home, I just can't see it. I just what, can't what, see us keeping the ball out the net. That's that's the yeah. big issue. Oh, well, I mean, Ryan McGeever will be sitting at home tonight with a fucking chubby, known for a fact that he's going to score on Saturday. It's a fact. You know, the only reason that we beat them back in the 30th of October were him and Buchanan were both out. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's harsh fact. They had players out through injury. Yeah. Did, that's why we didn't beat them. The but last time we did. played them, did they not have th- three guys that were suspended and something as well? Yeah. yeah. They, had, yeah. they played the, the week before, I think it was against Falkirk, and had a, a, a whole load of players yeah. sent on. So, look. And let, yeah. Let's say, uh, my, 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 my personal message is to um, Ryan Wallace, who we're all a big fan of, let's start seeing why we were excited that he was coming back, because so far we've seen none. Equally, this there's been a time. though. Yeah, well, this is the time to do it. Yeah. I, I just got a message come through that a European club have put a transfer offer in for one of the Whitecaps midfielders. Maybe it's East Fife. Maybe we'll get him in time for Saturday. Is it Ryan Gold? No. It's a guy <laughs> called Janio Bikel. He's a holding uh, midfielder, so obviously he, he would fit in perfectly. He, he, he's fresh. East Fife say no to Bikel, headline. <laughs> you heard it here first. There's, I had a, a bit of a section of players. Um, obviously, this has gone on a lot longer than we thought. That a, a list I know of players, I've not had lunch yet. Yeah, uh, players that I'd like to have seen us try to bring in. Um, 
but I mean, realistically, I asked some questions whether any of them could happen. They were both, um, in fact, all three were from between Rangers B and Celtic B. I was watching some of their highlights today to try and see if there was anything that we could get. Um, the boy, the, the two main ones, Owen Moffat at Celtic, what a player he's going to be, by the way, and also Tony Weston at Rangers. Um, they are two seriously, seriously good players. And if, if I was Stevie Crawford, I'd be saying, please, can we have them? The one that I think that we could, in fact, two that we could potentially have a chance of getting um, are Kevin O'Hara and Titch White in, uh, sorry, the boy White in at Dunfermline. Craig. Craig White in um, at Dunfermline, um, because obviously they've both worked with Craw before and aren't getting any game time under John Hughes. So I'm really hopeful that that's that those are two players that um, Craw is trying to get because they're two players that improve us dramatically. Um, a likely sign in, my guess, is that we'll bring Miller Fenton back. You can you've, you've put my money on that. That's who we'll bring in. Oh, I'll dig out our Fenton! Jesus that, Christ. I mean, to be honest, to be honest, even just to do the Fenton stuff, that is a, a worthwhile signing. Yeah, because the rest of the season's going to be shit. We may as well have some fun. Exactly. We'll have, a, we'll have a Fenton special. There'll be so many. Yeah, for the podcast, please sign Miller Fenton. We'll sponsor him. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's a left back, so. Um, oh, well, we're never going to get him then. We don't need a left back. <laughs> um, I, I think that that's somebody that we'll sign because Cross worked with him before, but he's not somebody that puts the wowsers in the trousers, to be honest. I think that we need a lot better than just loan signings from bigger clubs. Yeah. Obviously, the ones that I've mentioned are top, top players and players I'd like to see us get in. But um, it was also the one-year anniversary uh, yesterday of, uh, or the day before, uh, Jack Hamilton being stripped away from us. So um, January doesn't tend to be a, a good month. It was an anniversary of smashing Trinent. Um, it'd be a view in what was one of the last games before there was no games for a while. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Also, just very quickly, we'd like to give a big shout-out to Anton Dowd as a huge getaway yes. update to the Falkirk yes. fans. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, Who clearly don't like him. Talked about him in their famed Q and A thing about not good enough. good enough. Comes back from loan, scores a hat trick, and suddenly they love him again. Ridiculous. I hope he. Football I hope when he got the hat trick, he was like that to the the fans, going, "Yeah." Or was that your saying? Pointing point to his, the back of his jersey when he gets the hat trick or something. I wonder yeah. if they're going to sign uh, Bad Willie. Because that was that was one of the things that they were uh, really looking at. Well, uh, good Goodwillie's mentioned every transfer window, and it was interesting that Val McDermott, because he was strongly linked to Wraith again, mm. and she basically came out and said, "As lot basically because her name's obviously the sponsor." Oh yeah. She basically came out and said, "You know, that's not happening. Like, I will not have a guy who's been, you know, done of whatever." Uh, with, with my name on the shirt. So that was quite interesting that she came out and said that. If only they were sponsored by Viagra. <laughs> anyway. Um, what, a, what a good way to end. Yes. Um, thanks so much for listening to this week's show, everyone. It's been a good one, I think, um, in terms of we've had a lot of interesting content. Let us know your thoughts on that content, obviously on our social media channel, Facebook, Glory Days of Gold, uh, Twitter at Glory Days of Gold, as always. Or you can email us, glorydaysofgold at gmail.com um, or find Doug on Facebook, call him a prick, do whatever it is that you want to do. Um, anybody got any final words in a Jerry Springer-like manner? 
I'd just like to ask Doug how much weight he's lost whilst recording this, because two hours in a sauna is going to be really taking its toll. I know. The, 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 the listeners can't see that, Michael, but uh, no, I've got a cracked screen that's right over the camera lens, so it makes it look like I'm in a sauna. As you can see by my large frame and fat face, very little, but thank you, Michael. But if you're not in a sauna, why are you naked and just wrapped in a towel? <laughs> because it, you do it for me, big okay. time. Doug, time to upgrade your phone. Michael, good to, to see you as always. We'll be back next week, hopefully um, on in time for a, a Monday morning show for you guys to listen to. I know that that's the format that you guys like. We do yep. try to get out to you as much as we can. Talking um, about well, a big victory. Yes, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, hopefully we could get into Dumbarton to cheer the boys on on Saturday. If fans are allowed in, I shall be there. Doug, I'll be driving if you would like a lift to said game, no problem. Um, but until then, guys, thank you so much for listening. Take care, stay safe. And as always, Monday Fife. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.